Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 11, 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walton. It's my joy to be on the air. Thank you so much for tuning in to listening. Uh, and probably soon we'll, we'll be, our program will be podcast. Uh, if not today, it'll be coming up soon. So I want people to know that. So anyway, this is good. Spring is almost here. We had to spring forward and for all the people who still kind of drowsy and wondering where the hour went, count me in that. So, but we'll move on. We're going to bring on Mr. Y. He's going to give us an update and then we'll have Mr. Delbert Richardson on and he's going to talk about the uh, unspoken truth. So we got a good show for us. How you doing, Mr. Y? Uh, very well, Reverend Harriet. How you doing? I'm good, you know, hey, you know, I'm just finding good in everywhere. I was just say, hey, I'm going to find some good and, and, uh, and springing forward too. I didn't find it all yet, but it's coming. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I like falling back. I don't like springing ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sir. We, you know, I was just telling uh, uh, Eric that my grandmother says only a fool would mess with time. So whenever this comes, I always think about her words. Say, only a fool would mess with time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had some good sayings on those days, but back, yes, in, back, back yonder. Now, we didn't got to be those people. Isn't it amazing? We've gotten to be the, be the people that we used to talk about was old. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, I can just say that I'm uh, fortunate to still be here in reasonably good health and sound mind. Yes. Uh, and I'm uh, three months from 80. Well, bless your heart. All right. Yeah, well, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, my looks, my looks are deceptive. <laughs> <laughs> but my body tells me all the time, you an OG. That's why yeah. like one friend of mine, Roy Hayes, said, if you're over 70 years old, when you wake up, if something's not hurting, you must be dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, but also, I think when you're in this latitude, you probably need to go to Las Vegas or down to Arizona sometime to warm up these bones. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you just need to get a, get, get a little burst of energy to warm them up. <laughs> yeah, well, I was doing very little traveling with that COVID out there. Only essential no. travel during that those days. And no, I, think I, I made one even... trip the last two years. I haven't either. I went to, of course, my stepmother passed away and I did go to Montgomery. And then I had gone when my granddaughter graduated in 2019, but uh, I've only been on two trips, uh, uh, two trips since 2019. But I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. And and if otherwise I have to hijack me a car, come and get you and we'll just drive cross country. Like the old, like A long time ago, that's what we used to do. Yes, sir. So I know you're working on some good stuff. So you want to decide, give us some updates about what's going on? Yeah, you know, uh, we still are grappling with uh, trying to get uh, United States Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, the United States Attorney General, from the inside information I have, he is denying the Deputy U.S. Attorney General for the Civil Rights Division, Christine Clark and her team, for moving on with investigating and actually bringing people to justice who are discriminating. And in Washington State, uh, a complaint was filed with them on November 22nd, 2009, with nine disparity studies, private studies, all showing that African descendants, United States enslaved, black folks have been here for 400 years, are being discriminated worse than any other group. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, last week, the Puget Sound Business Journal came out with an article, I don't know if I texted you or not. It says, Seattle, is one of the states with the least number of Black-owned businesses. And you think about after 23 years of no no affirmative action, all under the auspices of Democratic governors. That's right. uh, That's how we fell out. And then you look at things like uh, the uh, Seattle Tunnel uh, uh, Project. Four Black contracts went out of business on one contract. And I must give former Seattle City Council member Michael Bryan a lot of credit he said, I'm really concerned because these companies that have formed a Tunnel Partners Project, Tudor Barini and Dragados out of Spain, had a record for breaking not only minority businesses, but also municipalities because they had so much money. And even though they were out of compliance on the Tunnel Partners Project, members of the Washington State Department of Transportation and the Federal Highway Administration got them back to compliance to so get another billion dollar contract in New York. So... As lo- things like this happen, and, and to have uh, Black folks working in these agencies, I mean, I just appreciate them a lot more and say, hey, brother, there's nothing we can do about it. I work here for the man. I'm doing what he tells me. Just go ahead and tell the truth about it if you can't do nothing. Don't go around showing up at these community meetings 
and getting on Zoom talking about what the goals are and how you're going to get there because you haven't been getting there. Okay, we're doing less than 1%. Uh, we, we have the least number of Black people in the city of Seattle. I think they're probably more in Tacoma and Federal Way than they are in the city of Seattle. Well, they ran us all out. I mean, they ran out the Black In 23 years. Our, our, you know, they ran out me, Mr. Branch. They also adult family homes and then daycare people who had had daycares for 30 years. All of a sudden, they came back in, the, in, this, uh, in these years that you're talking about. And, uh, and and took the daycare workers out, took the adult, the African American adult family homes out, took out took out my business, took out Mr. Branch. Mr. Branch had been around all these years, had a twenty one million dollar payroll, and he hired some everybody. You know, I'm talking about giving people a second chance. Mr. Branch and and Vanceville and nursing homes gave lots of people second chances. You know, I mean, coming out and stuff like that. So no, we did take a hit. I'm yeah, one of and, them, okay? And, I mean, Andrew, I always say I was one of them that they took out. Yeah, and Andrew Branch uh, was a philanthropist in the Black community. Yes, he yes, He supported that, more right. programs and businesses yes, and other individuals, anybody else that I know. Right, right. That, that so, had yeah, so, so we have a history. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe with all the young people, maybe we can compile a list of all of these businesses that that is gone in the last twenty something. And not because we're poor business people. I had a business for twenty five years. If I could last twenty five years, my goodness. I mean, at least I, you know, I got past the five year mark. So, so yeah, Mr. Branch was over there for almost a generation. So yeah, yeah that's I mean, true. It'd be, it'd be good if we could just kind of highlight them, just 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 kind of chronicle all these businesses went away under the Democrats. Okay. <laughs> and all we got to do is look at the disparity studies and the, the the numbers don't lie. The numbers don't have a personality, but it is a, a, the state and the, the government agencies allowing people, the larger companies, to do whatever they damn well please without fear of any repercussions, and it's just get along to go along. And hopefully this will change under under uh, uh, Mayor uh, Bruce Hill. And I have to give uh, Councilmember uh, King County Councilmember Gurmay Sahali a lot of credit for getting the entire King County Council to uh, convince uh, Governor Jay Inslee to sign an executive order reinstating affirmative action. But what's surprising is that even though he signed his executive order, the next major project come up was the West Seattle Bridge with a two percent goal. So, I mean, that's really showing that you have some kind of commitment. And uh, uh, the other thing, we have to stop fooling ourselves about this whole minority thing. I'm not against anybody else, but if you've been here 400 years and died in every war, you would think that at some point in time, we'd have a, a federal designation for African descendants of the United States enslaved. So we got, we're competing now with people who have access to offshore money. Right now, Sound Transit, white female and Asian businesses are waved out of the program for exceeded the limit. So, uh, but that's not the case with blacks. The largest uh, contract uh, this, uh, for a black right now at Sound Transit is a Nigerian engineering firm, which I have nothing but to do with. But anybody but us, and, so, and then that's just it, Mr. White. We have to always say anybody but us. I mean, the whole immigration idea was because if they, black people decided that they wanted more money and they decided to, when they decided to stop working for free, and then, then the immigration, then they open the borders. And so it has been anybody but us and Native American people and somebody gonna have to put that together all the time. I mean, somehow that has to be, uh, that, has, that has to be put together uh, uh, and, and, and presented because really and truly, they, they are, the other people get the part to, to uh, check many boxes. We only can check one box. Yes, the, sure. uh, the African immigrants can be African or, or they could be African-American. So they get to have two, they could be an immigrant or an African or an African-American. We only have one box. Not only and that. That's, and that's the box that we have. And then everybody else can, they can be an immigrant even if they still have 50 years and never say they're an American. I mean, and that's what happens all the time. But, but somehow we're gonna have to be courageous and tell the truth what the system has done to the African-Americans the, the descendants of uh, enslaved people, the stolen ones, there's been a systematic way to make sure that we and the Native Americans stay in a box when it comes to prosperity. There's and no land also, it. because see, they put the Native Americans on the reservations and their land was limited. And we had land. And so what they do, they come and run us off our land, just like they did here in the central area. They colluded to make sure that we weren't here. And they're still colluding to make sure that we're not in King County. After a while, I guess we'll have to be in Benson County over in Okanagan and go someplace else. So, but, um, 
anyway, so what what could we do about the feds then? I mean, what could we do about right now? I have had, I've requested that uh, Stephanie Olin does my, uh, my technology to uh, repost this letter from Congressman Adam Smith, who did send the letter in after his staff reviewed all the documentation of our complaint, proving discrimination against African descent, United States enslaved, the Black folks been here 400 years. Uh, he sent a letter asking Chris, uh, Deputy Attorney General for Civil Rights, Christine Clark, to investigate this. And that, that letter will be on my website shortly. I mean, on my uh, Facebook page shortly. But okay. the thing is, is that I'm hearing from people that Mary Garland is holding the Civil Rights Division back. Now, you know, I'm real happy right now that he didn't get on Supreme Court with the yeah, he'd be, he'd right be, he'd be, if, he might if be right waffle, <laughs> If he's going to waffle at all that documentation and then hold the people back that can hold people responsible for, for, for their discriminatory practices, especially the ones that's preventing African-Americans from participating, then I have a serious problem. So I'm going to be also sending a copy, another copy of the complaint, plus this latest article out of uh, the Puget Sound Business Journal that says Seattle is one of the cities with the fewest number of black businesses in the country. And I want to put that article on top of the civil rights complaint and, and, and uh, Congressman Adam Smith's letter and send it back to several members of black caucus, the chairs of the committees, Maxine Waters was chair of the House Financial Services Committee. She has a complaint already. Uh, Benny Thompson, chair of the House uh, uh, Homeland Security Committee. Bobby Scott is chair of, of, of the House Education Labor Committee. And then uh, uh, Adam Smith is chair of the House uh, Armed Services Committee. Now, this chairman has jumped out there on behalf of Black folks in his district and his state saying, uh, Department of Justice, Civil Rights Division, please investigate this. He made this request last year. We, we filed a complaint November 22nd. You know, I right. can understand it if, 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 if Trump was president, Bill Barr was attorney general, but Merrick Garland is attorney general, and he's doing the do-nothing thing just like Bill Barr. Well, at the end of the day, you know, we only, I'm like Harriet Tubman, our friends is God and the North Star. So, well, we just have to keep at it and keep working at it. Thank you, Mr. Wright, for all you're doing here and giving us an update. And, uh, you know, we're, we'll definitely be checking in with you. And I want to continue to give off of my condolence to you and your family. Thank you very much, Reverend Here, We appreciate you. Thank all you, right. Reverend. Good talking to you. Blessings. All right. You listen to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM, KKNW. I'm your host. We'll be right back. I'm free. Market Street Shoes is happy to sponsor the Mother's Justice Show in honor of our mother, Jackie Higgins Rosebrook, who spent her life fighting for social justice and also in honor of all mothers who fight for social justice. Market Street Shoes, fashionable footwear and apparel for life's everyday adventures in the heart of Ballard since 2006. Visit MarketStreetShoes.com. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin. UVB rays burn. And both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. We are the physicians, the nurses, the hospital and health system leaders. All we ask of you is to take three simple steps proven to stop the spread of COVID. Wear a cloth face mask, maintain social distance, and wash your hands. Scientific evidence must shape our decisions, dictate our actions, and protect our health. We are not powerless. Together, we will defeat COVID. This has been a message from the American Hospital Association, the American Medical Association, and the American Nurses Association. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on, on 1150 AM, KKNW. your host, and it's my joy to be on there. Thank you, Eric. That's one of my favorite songs, you know, yeah, woke up with freedom on my mind. And I want to bring in my next guest. 
Mr. Delbert Richardson. Uh, he had he's up as this whole uh, a library of information that he's sharing and uh, more than a library, it's an exhibit. It's called the Unspoken Truth. How you doing? I am fantastic for Monday. Thank you so much, Reverend Harriet, for inviting me to be a part of your your space. Well, thank you for saying yes. I heard you on uh, on Urban uh, uh, Forum uh, with uh, I mean uh, with Dr. Gore's show because I listened to his show on Saturdays and uh, I haven't had him on yet. I mean, we've talked about it. I still have to have him on my show. I've been on the air for eight years. I still haven't had him on, but uh, but I heard you. I heard that I, I heard you that Saturday, and I said, "Oh, okay. Uh, let me see if he has any time." I mean, uh, this is a uh, you know, Black History is all is every day, all the time, just because. The calendar is turned to page. Don't mean that we stop. Uh, we stop talking. So, anyway, so I'm going to let you just kind of give us some information. And I, well, I mean, I first came aware of you back in 2006 when we brought Dr. Jar Leary here. We brought her here for a whole day event. Uh, it was breaking the silence on black on black crime and how we harm one another. So it was black, and and, and you were there uh, for that event. Yeah, I think you were there that evening. And um, she had we had her in the morning. In the, in the afternoon with young people, and then she had her, had her that night. So, um, and Marketer did a dance to bring her in. It was a great event that night. So, but I remember you being there, and uh, and so that's when I first became aware of you and the work that you're doing. Wow. I mean, but you've grown since then. It might have yes. been your infinite. It might have been. It might have been just a. You were just getting started, maybe in yeah. 2006. And so, uh, and and so uh, we gave her her largest audience that she's had ever, almost in Seattle when she came. She had they had a thousand people that day you know 500 right. in the morning and the afternoon and 500 at night so yeah so yeah I'm, I'm i'm anxious to hear about all your great work and all, just what you're doing in the world and well, on the continent you've gone back and forth too yes i have and so you know you had mentioned a good friend of mine dr joy degrew and she uh for those that don't know she wrote a national bestseller uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome, the mm -hmm. enduring healing, I think, legacy of healing. And it's mm -hmm. a similar book. And it talks about primarily intergenerational trauma and mm -hmm. how that has uh, been part of, unfortunately, the uh, the African, the diaspora's experience as it relates to uh, the transatlantic slave trade and Jim Crow. So thank you for reminding me. And yes, 06 was really a transformative year transformative year because that was the first year that I actually introduced my uh, traveling museum to the Seattle community. Right, that's right. But also the other thing that Dr. Joy did also is that she made it possible for everybody to talk about uh, trauma that's handed down through the placenta because her work, her work was the first work to talk about how trauma is transferred, you know, not only living trauma that we're living in right now, but people who might read about it and become traumatized and also about what happens to, and now scientists have run with that. I mean, now they talk about, you know, trauma is like a, you know, it's almost like like, like Coca-Cola because it's everywhere now. Everybody talks about trauma, but her work was the foundation of that work. And, and so she, she opened that door for everybody else right now. Right. And you were talking about uh, trauma, right? You're talking about this, I think there's seven, seven traumas but you're talking about intergenerational trauma and so white folks have put a name to it it's called epigenetics and so what they have determined which is something that i believe that our culture is always always known to a certain degree that trauma is passed down generationally but epigenetics talks about it being passed down through the dna so yeah. right 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 bruce lipton came up with that word uh, uh dr bruce lipton i followed him too but epigenetics you know, he's the first one, like you say, coin that word, and now it's everywhere. You're right. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. We have a tendency to use words and to frame things. So, yes. Yeah. So, um, so it sounds like you would love me to talk a little bit about me and myself, right? right? Mm -hmm. and so I always like to say, who am I, what I do, and why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Delbert Richardson's the name that was given to me. Uh, I was born in Detroit, 1954. Uh, me and my six other siblings moved to Seattle, Washington, the year before the big race riots in Detroit. And what a lot oh. of people don't know that, probably a little younger, don't know that during the civil rights era, there was quite a lot of black, uh, white on black violence. And that's what I call the riots. And they weren't black on black violence. It's the system of racism institutions were stealing, were inflicting 
working that against the black communities in the Midwest. So we moved up here. And so as a result of that, this is home, but I've always uh, would love to say I have Midwest roots. My daddy's from a small town in Seguin, Texas. And so I have that rich foundation that comes from the South and that Midwest, which, which is related to the great migration out of the South for our black and brown um, uh, uh, elders to have an opportunity to thrive in, in society. So when was the brown, when did the brown people, I mean, I hear people say that all the time, they, they include us and the black and brown, but when did the brown people move? I mean, I, when were they part of that great migration? Well, so- You have the history of that. So thank you for saying that. And so as an educator, I use words so people can find themselves in the story. So there's some people in our community that don't consider themselves black. They call themselves brown people. Right. So they call themselves BIPOC people. So just terms that are used. And so if, you know, to be more intentional, um, if black people are the ones that were being um, impacted during the civil rights era and to, to the violence of Jim Crow. So the migration was black people. Right. Okay. I mean, I just like to clarify that because sometimes people get this stuff. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're in the constitution. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, we then the 13th and 14th, 15th amendment. And when they were talking about, they talk about the descendants, the freed African, freed slaves and their descendants going forward. And so that's us. And right. sometimes we get, we, we, we get melted in and not, and people not understand that all of these, all Thurgood Marshall went to the Supreme court for us. For the Negro, all his cases he filed was for the Negro, and sometimes I think people kind of like don't know history, and and they kind of like don't understand that. So anyway, well, I just appreciate- very very good point. But here again, you know what I believe is that we as a culture, as a people, still struggle with identity, and so sometimes people that I've come into contact with have a hard time call themselves black, unfortunately, right? But that's part <laughs> of that internalized oppression that has, right. in my view, has impacted us as a- Oh, yes. Right? Oh, yes. So oh, thank yes. you for, thank you for picking up, picking up on those words. And I love it. I love Rich- Oh, yeah, I do, I do, because that's right? what I love too. See, I love, I love, I love, I love what you do, but yeah. I also like to play on words because I think, yeah. I think that this when we understand the words and how they've been used and misused against us, uh, like, for me, and then I'm gonna be, I'm gonna let you have the time. But uh, for me, I see the words Negro because it's on my birth certificate. It's on my mother's death certificate. It was on her birth certificate. And I honor the womb that bore me. And when I'm downtown and I ask people, I ask people how they're doing in the city, especially black people. And then I talk to them and they talk about, you know, POC, people of color. And I tell them, I say, don't leave your mother behind. If your mother's African-American, say African-American is other people. If your mother's Filipino, say Filipinos and other people. This culture wants us to leave our mothers behind. And it's our mothers that actually made it possible. You know, they are womb, we were their womb mate for a whole nine months. And so I tell the people, I say, it's okay to say who you are first and then bring in all the other people, see. And so I don't leave my mother behind. I don't leave my ancestors behind because on their paperwork, it said Negro. So I say it sometimes just to shock people, but also I don't have a problem with it because I came out of time when the Negroes, you know, helped put the, the man on the moon with the, with, the, with hidden figures, see? So I come from a different area, so I'm good. So go ahead and just tell us about you. I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. Am I, am I, am I, am I am listening too. Because uh, I'm actually at the feet of my elders when I talk to you. So I have a lot of respect for your lived experience. And one of the things I, and I appreciate that a lot of times, you know, this society we in loves to play on words and you're talking about that. So I usually will say black and BIPOC. So I want to make yeah. sure mm -hmm. that I lead with black people. And I do not want us to be, and this is my language, to be diluted in that acronym of BIPOC. Because yes. it's my experience that we get marginalized around terms like BIPOC, diversity, right? Uh, you know, coin terms that are yes. really um, huh, are used to minimize us in a group of uh, other people. So, so let me just share because you you're touching on a lot of subjects, especially around identity. So, uh, my work is called the American History Travel Museum: The Unspoken Truths. And so I uh, have developed a unique multi-sensory interdisciplinary 
pedagogy or curriculum. So what does that mean? I use authentic, I use authentic artifacts, which are primary resources. I use storyboards and the ancient art of storytelling. The interdisciplinary part primarily is it's 90% hands-on. Because I believe our children and young adults learn faster kinesthetically than anything. So it allows uh, individuals that may not be able to read or be too young to really be fully literate to engage in the learning based on what they see, based on what they touch, and based on what they feel. I call it American history primarily, and I get pushed back from this rev because I think uh, I don't teach Black history, and this is my uh, this is a, a Delbertism because I believe when things are called Black history, that's kind of like a box, and we are greater than we are so great. Let me say that. Right. And we call it African-American history. There are sometimes certain cultures that want to get a pass by saying this, this history doesn't have anything to do with me. But here's the thing, Rev. when I call it American history, it allows me to see myself in the story. Right. He tells the story controls the narrative. So <laughs> I'm telling That's the so story. <laughs> I'm able to tell the story through the lens of the oppressed. Right. And so there's going to be a powerful beginning and a powerful ending. So. I call it American history, but I start with Africa, right? And some people wonder why. Well, if you know history and you know about uh, Europeans and their desire to erase us from the history books, they always want to start our history from the enslavement period. That's right. There are thousands of years of history. <laughs> <laughs> say that again, please. Say that again. You know, did you say, oh, did you say, a, a one year history, a ten years thousands, history. tens oh, of thousands oh, of history. Okay. Yeah, yes, right. Yes, so, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so uh, Rev talked about the word Negro, and so I have a similar story. And so, born in 1954, my birth certificate also said Negro, and so, um, so I went to University of Washington as a Negro, and I came out. African-American and Black. Now, this is my story. So going to University of Washington in 1973, um, there was a bunch of students from around the United States calling themselves Black and African-American, Rev. So in my neighborhood back in the 60s, in my neighborhood, if you called me Black or African, we were going to fight. Mine too. I, Mine too when I grew up. When yeah, I, grew up, I had been know, socialized. Yeah. That yeah. those are negative terms. But here's right, a transformative right. piece. What I grew into, that these students had chose how they wanted to self-identify. So calling themselves Black or African-American was a way to affirm themselves. And so I started also to, to feel better myself based on how I wanted to be seen as opposed to how society saw me. So I love to say James Brown, say it loud, I'm Black and I'm proud. Oh, yes. That is the transformation by which I um, experienced at University of Washington. Now, how did I come up with a museum concept? First of all, the museums broke them into four sections. Uh, uh, Mother Africa. Second section is American Chattel Slavery. Third section is Jim Crow. And the fourth section focuses on innovation as it relates to Black inventions and inventors. Now, now, the museum is my story. I didn't know that the African part of my name had an amazing contribution in the areas of science, technology, engineering, and math in ancient Africa. Wow. So I learned that as it relates to like Imhotep and the pyramids. Right. I said, guess what? I cannot not share this with children and young adults. So that's why I start with Mother Africa. So Mother Africa is the beginning and inventions and inventors that is at the beginning. So what I learned at University of Washington is that African is who I am or African-American and the inventions is what I'm capable of accomplishing. And the enslavement period and Jim Crow had two things in mind, keep me from who I am and what I can accomplish. Right, that is so true. And because of course, people who have this lived Jim Crow experience, you know, it was a te black teacher who always brought in the other information 
and then we had Black History every day. I mean, so so that that kind of bolstered our self-esteem, as they, they wasn't calling it then self-esteem in those days. And then you have the pictures of you know all these Black people who can who contributed to uh, to to history uh, to make us feel okay. I mean, we didn't have the African so much connection, but we, we but you had the American connection of all the greatness of the black people uh, 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 who came out of bondage and all they did yes. to make the world better. And that's, that, that's what gave me my, my, my rootedness. Uh, and I got to know about the Africans later on, but the rootedness came out of segregation and then the work of all these people who you're talking about who came by way of bondage, but ooh, yes. what did they do for America? <laughs> Well, you know, you talk about segregation, which to me is sometimes a sensitive topic because, you know, during segregation, forced segregation, I believe that as a community, our children uh, had a greater opportunity to learn about their rich history and culture because they were being taught by people to look like them. That's right. right. And so one of the things that segregation or no, one thing integration did, it right. uh, created unemployment for Black teachers and educators. Yes, it did. Right. That's right. And that's the story. Twenty-eight thousand lost their jobs when the integration came in. Black overnight. men never taught again. Twenty-eight thousand over twenty. Yep. Mm -hmm. Overnight. And so we still haven't recovered, right? So now no, we haven't because the black at, uh, the male is not at, in the classroom. The male, yeah. like you, not in the classroom. See, yeah. There's a there's a big void in public schools of black female and male teachers. That's and right. So there's no wonder. That in our school systems, my language, our children are suffering because right. they're taught by predominantly white women. And the reality is, is the reality that 90% of all the teaching force in public schools are white women. And they don't like us. 70% of white women voted for Trump. So 50% well, of white women in the South, 50% yeah, of white women nah, own slavery. Now nah, you get into politics, Rev. You're talking no, politics, no, 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 I'm not. I'm talking about history. 50% of white women sla uh, own slaves in, in the South. I mean, that, that's part of history, you know? Yeah. That's verifiable. So, Rev, I'm supporting you because the social the social construct of race is rooted in politics. Oh, it is. So, but yeah, it's also I, rooted in anthropology because Ivan Van Serdman talked about it. He talked about the features of how you identify people and anthropology, I mean, and so it's rooted in that and also in anthropology because th that's what Ivan Van Sertiman said. So he was a great anthropologist. I, I would agree. And yeah. Ivan Van Sertiman, few of his books are back there. So oh, yeah. a master <laughs> educator. So thank you for teaching or sharing some of your vast knowledge with your listeners. So I appreciate that. Go right ahead and continue. But let's take a break right now so we can come back and get that, that break out of the way, okay? Let's take yes. a break. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. We'll be right back. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Norwood, your health tip of the day from the African American Wellness Project. Asthma affects 25 million people nationwide, and every day 10 people die with it, with African American women and children being most at risk. Early warning signs include coughing, especially at night, or with exercise and wheezing. Almost all asthma can be effectively managed with a good action plan. So talk with your doctor today, and for more information, visit aawellnessproject.org. Hi, this is Dr. K. Mahina Intra, inviting you to tune in on Mondays on 1150 KKNW at 5 p.m. to Dr. K's Attuning to Your Abundance where we honor everyday abundance through positive messages, poetry, music, affirmations, and writing exercises. For more information, contact drkworkshops at gmail.com or Facebook, Dr. K's Abundance. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Reverend Walden. I just love the music today. Thank you so much, Eric. I mean, because I understand grandma's hands. I was raised by grandparents. And I want to bring my guest back in, Mr. Delbert Richardson. Oh, he's just amazing, amazing, amazing. He's just bringing us so much information. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Continue to You're be welcome. able to educate Thank us you. and to inspire us and to empower us. Thank you. Thank you. So, listeners, just so you know, when we took a break, you know, we just had a kitchen conversation. For those that are understanding of the Black community, the kitchen is where we normally congregate, and we talk, we talk a lot of stuff 
because uh, as a people, we're so spiritually grounded and we're relationship orientated. And so thank you for this opportunity. Um, yeah, my work is really centered around uh, listening to voices of black and brown children, but also to educating white folks. Why do I say that? You know, there's this cloak of ignorance that's been so prevalent in regards to the educational system that we've all been indoctrinated in. So in other words, we've been, our minds have been colonized because when we think about he who tells the story controls the narrative, the reality is white men are the one who primarily wrote the history books and designed the stories that are being told and shared. So Reverend Walden, I see you as not just an elder, not just a leader, but a storyteller as well. So yeah. I'm sure that I honor you because see, I've been watching you with my good eye this whole time, <laughs> right? You can do some amazing work. And so before I um, go on the detail, you know, my work is a traveling museum. I take my museum into a school. As a matter of fact, Reverend Walden, I just left Hazen High School an hour ago doing a site visit. I'll be there next week. I'm going to Lake Washington High School tomorrow. And the goal is, is, to, is to provide information in a way that creates this level of awareness. Now talk about yes. ignorance, right? This level of awareness. So as a result of this yes. awareness, the goal is to create a certain level of curiosity. Mm -hmm. so when you look at certain images, like let's, let's say a pyramid, there's some curiosity comes up. And when I challenge you and I say, guess what? Does that pyramid represent science? Yes. Technology? Yes. Engineering? Yes. Art? Yes. Math? Yes. So now, there's this criticality that comes in, in my belief, as to, hmm, I've never been taught to look at that pyramid that way and never been taught to see things that way. So as a result of awareness, curiosity, critical inquiry, some discoveries are going to come up that hopefully will empower the listener or the learner to start doing more work around their own journey of self-discovery. And so um, I recently did a uh, two-month installation at King Street Station. I have a strong desire, Rev, to get my own building, which yes. is get. Plus, yes, let's speak that out to the universe. I support that's that. Right. I support speak that out in the universe. Hey, we're, they're listening. Absolutely, because because I deserve it and we deserve it. We deserve a home for our culture. We deserve right. a home for our history. We deserve a, a place for us to congregate. And here's the thing, to feel good about ourselves, right? Yes. And also, yes. too, I want you to save the date. A couple of dates. In June 2022, I'll be at the Seattle Center for Festival Sunjata. And also in June, I'll be doing something at Museum of History and Industry. I believe oh, yeah. Okay. For the 22nd. But in July, creator and God willing, I'll be doing a play at Langston U called The Lion Tells His Tale. And it's going to be a play that represents my story. And I'm going to share it in the form of a play for... The, the black community. So very well. Hey, do you know what? Hey, the, the stars are shining. Every yeah, yeah that's right. You. It's our thank time. You. This is your time. It really. Thank you. Nothing happens before it's yeah. time. They say in the universe, and so the the door of the universe is absolutely wide open for you. So all you do, it's going to walk through. This is awesome. And so, Rev, let me tell you. Thank you for that. But here's here's my reality. I know a lot because I research a lot. So what right. I'm growing into, I have a responsibility to the next generation. That's right. A lot of those quote unquote Negroes that you talked about, and one of them was was Mr. was Dr. Carter G. Woodson, right? Oh yes. <laughs> so you know what was it about him? And they used to call them people race men back in the day, right? So people yes. don't know about that term, right? A race, yes, yes, man, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> See, I caught you, race man. So, yes. so here's the question I often ask, and I and I share this with black kids primarily. In 1926 was the height of Jim Crow, and not civil rights, Jim Crow, and we were being lynched, right? So, what was it about Dr. Carji Woodson? In spite of that, understood what his responsibility to tell our story. So he developed Black History Week in 1926. 
Right. So as a result of Black History Week, it evolved into Black History Month. So let me share this, Dr. Dr. Reverend Walden. I just <laughs> did an event earlier today, a Zoom event, but I believe a company in New York or Chicago, I forget. And it was a white woman who was part of HR. And unfortunately, they always want to check the box for February, my language. So I convinced her that, you know, if we're going to be ages of change, Let's do a Black History Month event in March. Awesome. Let's awesome. call it Black History Month, right? So we were able to do that earlier today, and I was able to share some rich histories that I want to believe create a certain level of awareness for this company to start looking inside as opposed to outside, because I believe this work is hard work. Unless we're willing it to start looking at our own hearts first, is very right. difficult to connect right. to the next heart next to you. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But also, you said something about civil rights. I mean, you know, ever since we've been in the country, we've been working for freedom. So even during Jim Crow, people were working for freedom. You know, I mean, Ida B. Wells. And all that. So even though we had these harsh systems, within those systems, Ebony Magazine came out and all that, you got all of that information. But you know, it's like we've never had a decade in 159 years that we weren't working for freedom. You know, sometimes we knew about it, but we didn't have we didn't have what we have today. <laughs> we didn't have hey, this stuff when it lasted this long. It had we had CNN. Could you can you imagine? I, I um, can you imagine some of CNN the reported coming right after the slave ship landed? Well, what was that like coming <laughs> over? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't so, when it lasts that long. So, Reverend, yeah. please forgive me. I want to say something with all sincerity. Thank you so much. What you've had to endure and what you've had to, my language, put up with. Yes. For me to, for me to have the opportunities I have today, right? Thank you. I honor you for that. Well, right. thank you so much. You know, I'm not that far behind you on 1946, baby, when they came back from the war. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we, yeah. So, but thank you for doing the work. Thank you, because he creator taps us. And sometimes we say, yeah, not this time, catch me next lifetime. Okay, the work don't get done. But then the creator keep tapping people and some people say yes. So you got tapped thank and you. you said yes. Thank you. And you are right because this, so <laughs> this museum wasn't my plan, right? <laughs> had, these other, had these other lofty goals, Rev, to do some other things. And the reality is the creator says, I want you to help save my children. Amen. <laughs> he, didn't say, he didn't say black or brown children. He said my children. So children, that's I, right, believe, that's right. I believe I'm, I call myself a wounded healer because racism as a social construct has wounded a lot, oh, a lot of people, a lot of people, including mm -hmm. white people. Oh, and, yeah, and they, they may not want to true. admit it, but, but you know, the reality is how painful it is to think that you're superior, right? <laughs> and how painful it is that you would want to go help a other country in order to be, who, who actually really don't believe in any kind of human rights. You'd want to go help them before you want to give us equal rights in America. I mean, it's like, oh, okay, what you're saying is so wonderful. I'm so glad you're saying this, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and, and since we're going to be transparent and we want to talk about, let me bring up some politics. And, and I love creating questions with create critical inquiry. So we mm -hmm. know that it was an anti-Asian bill recently passed, right? <laughs> but folks don't know that the anti-lynching bill still has not been ratified. It still sits on the books waiting for the votes to pass as being illegal. Well, they just passed it last week, I believe. You House, uh, yeah, they did? Just passed it. Yeah, House of yeah. 80 years later. I missed that. Yeah. I missed that scene. Yeah, I got to go back. Yeah, yeah they, they said that they really and truly, 80 years later after uh, Emmett Till, I was nine years old. I mean, I was about nine years old when Emmett Till got murdered. And you were even smaller if you were born in 54. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so I mean, I was nine, uh, and yeah. that day, I mean, to see that in the Jet magazine and the Courage, and you know, it's just like wow, it took all that long because I mean, and you know, I mean, I'm sure you talk about this, but nobody sees us human because the Catholic Church said we weren't. So our whole job and what you're doing is restoring humanity. How do we, how could we not be human? Like you said, the people ten thousand years or whatever 
in Africa. I mean, so how could we not be human, you know? And so that's what you're doing. You, you bring in humanity also. I appreciate you and with that bringing humanity. Thank you. you, know, and you that's know, wonderful. And Reverend, here's the other thing too. If I don't do it, who will? And so here's the thing, one of the beauties of my work is when I go into a school, either in Zoom or in person, and I see the, and I see the, the light in children's eyes glow when I share with them their, their identity through an Afrocentric lens, right? about these major civilizations, about innovation, about the fact that we, we invented the first glider, about metallurgy and alchemy and Imhotep and us plotting the stars. Their, their minds are just like, are you kidding me? I say, no. I say, I'll make and it C-section also, they did the first C-section back then. You yeah, know, yeah, delivering a baby with a C-section, you know, yeah. You're talking about M Hotel, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then what I do, Rev, I show them everyday items that their ancestors invented or patented, yeah. like the doorknob, yeah, like the light switch, like the pencil <laughs> sharpener, like yeah. the ice cream scoop, and on and on and on, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, just that's why I'm so happy with what you're doing because I know for a fact that you can empower and teach children to be brilliant by just letting them know all that we've done. You know, people talk about Basil going to space because of uh, Katherine Johnson. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I mean, right. so yeah, when you make that connection, the light bulb goes on. Right. So Reverend, one of the things that I'm, I'm also um, in need of prayer for is that, you know, I'm helping hopefully white children embrace the, re the, the truth that not only we're not human, not only that we are human, human, we've done some amazing things to change the world, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the blood transplant. That's the blood, you know. I mean, just start with the blood right there, you know, and all the millions of people who saved. But also Henrietta Lacks, we were, using, we were reading her in my book club that I have. Her cells, her cells has been used for everything in America, in the world, to, 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 for, for wellness. Just that piece, you know, it's like, wow, you know, right now, it's part of the modernity, it's part of all these vaccines, all this treatment, cancer treatment, is the immortal cells of Henrietta Lacks, a black woman, you know? <laughs> Reverend, you really love uh, <laughs> triggering me. Right, because well, I'll have you back on. Don't don't think this is the last time because so, we got to talk about the invention. See, so we got to come come back on to spend at least forty five minutes talking about inventions because it'll fill up forty five minutes or an hour. Oh yeah, easy. So we'll have you back on since Black History is all the time. You will not be a stranger here. Well, not a mother's show. <laughs> if I'm black every day, then my history is every day. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think maybe people didn't see it that way. But, you know, what you're saying is that you, what is the young people saying? Unapologetic something. So whatever they're unapologetic at, you're unapologetically saying, look, we're here. We have this illustrious history and we're making history every day. We're making something. And no, you know, yes, we have this broken place over there. You always want to tell us about it. But every culture has that. Yeah. But look at our brilliance. I mean, you know, every day, see, you inspire me because you know what I love? I authentically no. love Black people. I love Black people like we all love Michael Jackson. We had never seen, some of us had never seen Michael Jackson, but the night that we announced that Michael had been, uh, you know, I, I'll just say, I'll just say diet, but I think it's something else. But we loved him. And that's how I love Black people. I love us too, because we are the only people in the world who keep going out every day and uh, in, in an unsafe environment. We've known no safety. Next time you come on, I want you to talk about what does it feel like for people who've never known safety? 400 mm -hmm. years, you know I mean? Because then this works, see? And so, yeah, but we are so courageous yeah. if you set your children out. Yeah, so when places. you say, when I hear you say you love black people, what that means to me is you love you, right? Yeah. yeah. So the, the goal of my work is to empower black kids to love themselves in a way in spite of yes. what's going on outside of them is not gonna deter them for that love of self. That's right. 
That's right. And I love that hair. You know, I used to tell my kids, what God would create a group of people and get some people good hair and other people bad hair. I said, I don't know that God. All, all hair is good hair. You know, if you can get past the hair, <laughs> you're on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, get past the yeah. hair. You know, yeah. so I'm going to have you back on here really soon because I'm interested in the inventions. I'm interested in the technology all the way going back to Egypt, all the way up to the day we know somebody. And then the young people, they just keep creating, even during this time of COVID, look how they created all these pop-up businesses. I mean, look at the creativity that, that's going on that you talk about. I mean, it's like, we didn't lose it when we came to America. It might've been dormant, but we didn't lose it. No, and you know, uh, the great elder, uh, John Henry Clark talks about the enslavement period was just a disruption and the brilliance. <laughs> that's a nice t-shirt <laughs> disruption which means that it didn't stop it was a disruption we just brought that amazing brilliance to quote unquote the new world and flourished and thrived regardless of our disconnect to our uh, our land in africa yeah you know and, and also we brought it in and at the turn of the last century not this century but the last century before this century we had more skills than anybody in America, black people did, because we had built America. We had built America, you know, we had built all these things, you know, we built everything. So, yeah, yeah. I just love history. So, you know, I'm animated over here because I, you know, I'm a closet scholar. So I love history. This is how, <laughs> this is how, this is how I kick it. My kids used to say, my kids used to tell everybody, my, this, my mom is kicking and they thought I was going to sit and say, my mom would kick it by studying. <laughs> Yeah, well, as you so can see I behind have... me, I'm a voracious reader and researcher, and uh, I'm, I love learning, but I love discovering, right? Yes, and yes, that's yes, so yes, 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 and that's really what I love, and I see you love it too. We have something in common. We will have you back because I want to know about the inventions. You promise. I know you about promise. Oh yeah, I promise you. Because I'm, I'm, I'm jazz now. That. I'm jazz. I'm jazz. And so when I'm jazz, so hey, we'll we'll connect here for another date here. I'll call you up soon. Get it on the calendar. So okay. we'll know. We know we're coming back with the inventions. I'm so happy you were here. I'm so inspired now. Thank I'm inspired. You. I just love your inspiration. You brought the ancestors with you, of course. Uh, uh, and uh, and and I'm so glad that we have the freedom now to bring them with us. We don't have yeah. to. We don't have to leave them nowhere. Right. They travel with us, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity to have you on my show. So yeah. can I make one? I want to remind everybody again, because these are in-person events, and it's been two years, Festival Sujata at the Seattle Center, the weekend of Father's Day, and this is in June, and I'll be at Mohai June 9th to the 22nd, and save the date. There's going to be a play in July at Langston U called Till the Lion Tells His Tale, and that will be about me. Well, thank you so much for that. And then we'll have you back on in between that time to have a second time to be able to, you know, we look at May to bring you back so you can have another time to talk about it and to announce it. All right? Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, if you've been listening to the Mother's Justice Show on 1150 AM KKNW, I'm your host from Walden. It's my joy to be on the air. See you next week with a great show. Thank you.